It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We are back with another episode of On the Clock. I am again joined by my math guy, Christopher Wecht. Chris, how are you doing, sir? Doing good. Sweet. We're continuing on with some draft recap stuff. Today, we're going to do a deep dive into the NFC West. But before we do that, Chris, I wanted to kind of come circle back on the running back conversation we had yesterday, mostly because I want to point out how special of a prospect Jameer Gibbs was. <laughs> and I and Scott Barrett's going to accuse me of some copium here, but... I once we got off the pod yesterday, I kind of had this epiphany like Gibbs a score is really he scored really, really high for me. And I want to go back and look historically how that stacks up with all my scores since I've been doing this. So I pulled every draft class since 2015 that I've scored. That's when I started scoring prospects. And what I found was Jameer Gibbs is one, the highest scored running back since Saquon Barkley. If you just pretend like Bijan doesn't exist. So my highest scored running back since Saquon Barkley. And two, he is the fifth highest scored running back in my system ever. And I thought that was pretty remarkable. He's kind of lived in Bijan's shadow this entire draft process. No, I'm not saying this makes the pick at 12 good, but it is interesting to think about it because no one cares that Bijan went eighth, but Gibbs scores pretty favorably. So... I don't know. Do you have any immediate thoughts on that? I'm going to run through my top 20 here in a second because I think it's kind of cool. Well, I think I think people would care more about Bijan going eight if Gibbs didn't go at 12. I think Gibbs is definitely covering the Falcons a little bit and giving them some, you know, hiding them a little bit yeah. from the, the media backlash. Uh, and Gibbs can be an awesome player and the pick can still be not the optimal way to build a team. So I think I think that's the point to make is yeah Gibbs is awesome he maybe he deserves to still be a first round pick and maybe even a high first round pick but it's just not you're not going to long term build good strong optimal teams if that's how you're approaching the draft long term yeah I I agree real quick let's run through my top 20 these are the top 20 running backs in terms of score draft score for me so Christian McCaffrey with a 92.4. Bijan Robinson with a 92.0. Ezekiel Elliott with a 90.8. Saquon Barkley with an 88.4. Jameer Gibbs, an 87.1. Todd Gurley with an 87. Travis Etienne with an 86.4. Nick Chubb with an 86.1. Melvin Gordon. J.K. Dobbins. Dalvin Cook. Jonathan Taylor. Brees Hall. DeAndre Swift. Alvin Kamara. Najee Harris, Kenneth Walker III, Javante Williams, Josh Jacobs, and David Montgomery. Actually, you reminded me pre-show that Charbonnet had a higher score than Montgomery. So Charbonnet slides in there to the 20th spot. That's a pretty, I would say, good list. <laughs> and I think the the point to make is that when you ran through that list is how many of those guys have been available via trade or free agency in their careers. Whereas, and these are the top guys at the position. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you if you gave me your top 20 receivers or top 20 edge rushers, probably not many of them were ever available via free agency or a trade. 
uh, I mean, McCaffrey was just traded. Zeke is a free agent and probably could have been stolen by another team if Dallas didn't give him a monster second contract. Barkley was just available. Gurley had knee problems but was available. Uh, Gordon has been on multiple teams. Dalvin Cook is trying to be traded right now. Uh, a lot of these guys are still on their first contract. Swift was just traded. Um, I think that, and that's the point with the Gibbs pick is running back is a position where you can get the elite talent outside of the draft. You're really not doing that at receiver or edge or defensive tackle or off- offensive tackle, stuff like that. Do you th- I don't know that that's true. Cause I like pretty much all these guys became available after their first contract. Well, yeah, and, they and can't become still, available before that. Well, yeah, I mean, you see, you see, guys traded on their first contract semi often. Not, not really. But point being is, like, you don't want any of these guys on. You, like running backs, you're getting the most out of them in their rookie deal. So they're yes. not really elite talents anymore by the time they're past that first contract. Is my point. Like McCaffrey was just traded for what two seconds and a third. Yeah, and he's still playing at an elite, an elite level, but like. For the most part, these guys aren't. Some of these guys have had serious I- injury issues too, like Gurley, Dobbins. Uh, Dobbins is still young. Javante now having a bad injury yeah. problem. But I mean, Zeke played well through his second contract. Barkley, we expect to still play pretty well. Uh, Zeke did play well, but his he definitely dipped though. Yeah, eventually. But he, when he came but team, in- teams could have had an, a shot at him if Dallas didn't give him a ridiculous contract. Gordon certainly did. Cooks on a has played well through his second contract. A lot of these guys have played well on their second contract. Chubb, they for sure have played well, but they haven't played elite. But these are the top guys. <laughs> so what else is elite then? Well, the new yeah, I mean the guys still on their rookie deals are probably <laughs> like you know I mean McCaffrey's probably still elite. Is John Taylor elite? He's on his rookie deal. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say Najee's elite, but he's he's a good player. Josh Jacobs played elite last year on his rookie deal. Now he'll be off of his rookie deal. He's franchise tagged, right? Uh yes. Yeah, franchise tagged, yep. Yeah. But that's my my point is you're deal, but we can make arguments that a lot of these guys could have been available and still played at a high level through their second contract and available to play for some other team than the team they were drafted for. You just, that just doesn't happen at other premium positions. Yeah. It is crazy too, how the draft capital tracks through here. Yeah. Just going down the board, you have first round pick, first round pick, first round pick, first round pick, first round pick. My top six all were first round picks. Etienne was a first round pick too, right? Yes. So that's top seven. Chubb was a second. Gordon was a first. Yep. Dobbins was a second. Cook was a second. Taylor was a second. Brees Hall was a second. DeAndre Swift was a second. Kamara was a third. Najee was a first. Walker was a second. Javante was a second. Josh Jacobs was a first. Zach Charbonnet was a second. All first and second round picks, one third round pick. And then, if you, you know, obviously the further down the list you go, the more third round type guy like i i had aaron aaron jones is probably like 24th on here for me he went in the fifth round obviously uh mixon i think is next no and no ceh or rashad penny who also went in the first round no penny is probably in the late 20s ceh is in the 40s or 50s because yeah and their careers have not exactly panned out although penny maybe would if he could just stay healthy 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that you have to get through like the top 25 before you start getting into. So there's, I guess what, one of the things I'm getting at is we talk about how running backs don't matter and they're easily replaceable, but based on this list, are they, can you just find a running back in the late rounds? (laughs) You can, you can get similar production for sure. From a Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a collection of parts that have different skill sets. Yeah, for sure. But if you want a dude like the dude, it, you got to draft them early. Is kind of the yeah, you, you got to draft them in this probably the second round to really to yeah. really find one. You're not gonna find man. I'm trying to think of like a super late round running back that it's, it's Jones. Aaron Jones is the example right now. Yeah, Raheem right. Mostert was undrafted. Like he's another one. Uh, oh, Kareem Hunt would be close on this list too. I think yep. he's like twenty third, probably. He was a third round pick, though. Still a day two guy. It it is pretty crazy how the, how the draft capital is yeah. tracks with this list. The problem is n- none of these guys have had right. None of them have really done anything in terms of actually winning a Super Bowl. Uh, Gurley, I guess, did right. No, he no, lost. he met. Now he lost. And literally, none of these guys have come really even close Gurley is the closest hey ceh has won two rings is that yeah. <laughs> so we, your scores are flawed we are totally backward <laughs> so yes while you definitely have to take one early you also clearly the teams that are doing to. this are not putting out winning teams yeah yep this is true man i don't know i had a, i had a lot of fun pulling up this list and putting it together because it's uh it makes me feel a little better about the Gibbs pick, but also makes me feel a lot worse about the Gibbs pick. <laughs> None of these teams are good. <laughs> Running backs high. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You, you got a great player, but you built a built the team the wrong way. I think that's just the moral of the story. Yeah. I mean, shoot, like even the Panthers, like they went to the Super Bowl with McCaffrey, but lost. And then they were. Did they? Kind Was of, he there by then? Yeah. He had to be pretty. Early on in his career. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe that was Jay Stu still. I don't, yeah, that was a long time ago. I'm trying to think. He didn't play many years with Cam Newton. I lived, I lived in Charlotte when that happened. I lived in Charlotte when they went to the Super Bowl. So that's interesting. But, well, anyways, their offense kind of, once he got that second contract bogged down, obviously, same for Zeke. Saquon has not moved the needle in New York at all. Gurley, the uh, the big wild card with Gurley is I did not project him to be the elite pass catcher he became. Right. I, I projected him to be a bell cow type, but I didn't think he would be such a good pass catcher. Some McCaffrey. of that was off, right? Like, Yeah. McCaffrey was not on that team. No, okay. Jay Stu then? Yep. Nice. Yeah, the Browns have done nothing. The Chargers have always woefully disappointed people. Oh, Austin Eckler's a good that's a good late round one, right? That is a good late round. Pick? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it is pretty wild how none of these teams have really <laughs> performed well despite it shouldn't it shouldn't really shock you, to be honest. But all right. Let's get into the NFC West. I gave out some letter grades. I am writing this up in written format. We'll go division by division. Um throw out a team to start with chris uh let's let's just start with arizona because they 
you know, probably had the most to, well, maybe not. Seattle was close, but Arizona was, you know, a big part of how this draft unfolded in a, in a lot of ways with that third pick. Yeah. Um, okay. I gave the Cardinals a B plus. I think that's fair. They, you know, they trade back from three to 12, trade back up from 12 to six to take Paris Johnson, which, yeah, I, I didn't love the move, but I, I don't hate it either. Just because I don't think Paris Johnson was that much more of a difference maker than the rest of the offensive tackles in the, in the class. I think they could have gotten a good one at 12 if they had stayed. And especially with it does seem like they're clearly playing for 2024 and having picks in the 2024 draft. So why, why give up capital for, unless he really was that much higher on their board, who knows? Um, outside of that, uh, I like BJ Lujar. Wow. I can't speak right now. Ojulari. Uh, uh, Solid pick in the second round. Garrett Williams is a great pick in the third round. I like Mike. We both like Michael Wilson a lot. They they definitely need receiver help. Um, interesting. They never traded DeAndre Hopkins through this draft. That was a pretty. People thought that was going to happen for sure. Yeah. So, I so they got Houston's next first next year, right? Yeah. Trade back. So that's huge because Houston's going to suck. Yeah. Yeah, they could have picks so, one and two next year. That alone makes their draft class valuable to me. But getting the guy they want, Paris Johnson, I found out yesterday, is he's he's graduating with a degree in three years from Ohio State. <clears throat> so it seems like they got a super high quality guy as well as good football player. Um, the the pick that's killing them in our model is the BJ Ojolari pick. But when you it's a sixty eighth percentile pick. But when you look at the way the edge guys fell off the board, and I say this every year, and so I haven't adjusted myself, and I don't know that I should because I think, I think the draft capital edge kind of proves it's like it's a position where you have to take guys early. But anyways, Ojolari was the let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine eleventh edge guy off the board, and, he and was there was there. a noticeable teardrop. If you look at my scores, the really only next guy that I like at all is Keon White, and he's as raw as raw gets. So the fact that they got like I know we're killing them for taking my 72nd player at 41, but that's the nature of the beast. Big guys go early, man. Offensive linemen, defensive linemen, they go early every year. If you can play at all and you play those positions, you go early. So this is what I mean by adjusting. I haven't adjusted to that. Like I, I'm not I don't want to artificially boost scores just because they play big man positions right you know what i mean like i, I want to stick stand on the evaluation so because of that you know the, the, he's our model's crushing them for that pick but the reality is i like bj ojalari a lot and they needed to get help pat rushing the passer so what were what were their options it's not like they could sit there and wait on a guy yeah there was no so <laughs> there was no better edge player to take it wasn't yeah it wasn't they took like you said, well, they took their Ed, went in the fourth round, but he's kind of a D tackle. He's a tweener, so I won't I won't give him yeah. grief. And clearly, there's a something wisdom wrong. of the crowns crowds thing there with eight, basically every NFL team passing on him until the fourth yeah. round. Exactly. Um, so I, I like as much as our model doesn't like the pick, I probably like this pick a lot better than the model does. 
So that so that's why I went B plus. Garrett Williams I thought was a fantastic pick. He was a borderline second round player for me at corner. We gave that a ninety sixth percentile grade. And then Michael Wilson. You know, you look at that receiving core. Let's just assume they don't have Hopkins on the roster. They might end up having him anyways, but let's assume they don't. They have Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch, like a bunch of really tiny, diminutive receivers that all do similar things. Michael Wilson's the complete opposite of those guys. He's a big alpha dog, possession, route running, like technician kind of guy. Like he just gives them a totally different dynamic that I think could be really, really good for that team. And then Clayton Toon, I know you've bagged on some teams for the, the quarterback thing, but they got him in the fifth round, and I think he's a really good player. Like I think he's a legit backup. He's going to get a chance to get on the field probably this year with the Kyler thing. I guess I shouldn't say probably. There's a chance. But I, I really like that pick. So, yeah. I mean, that's basically those five picks are why I gave them the grade I did. Everything after Toon I didn't really care about. Yeah, and all the uh, 2024 capital. Yes, yeah, that's it. That's actually a big part of it. Yeah. Big part of it. Um, if you look at just the amount of value they're pulling in, they have this they're pulling in the sixth most value in terms of the yeah. guys to draft. And that's without factoring in all the capital. So yep. that's that's a good draft. Yeah, it's a good draft. Um go Rams. Yeah. I thought the Rams had a a pretty brutal draft. I know they didn't have a first or second round pick. No, they had a second, sorry. They didn't have a first round pick. But they did not do a lot with the picks they had, in my opinion. Yeah, they um well Steve Avila is a solid pick. Yes. Um, no, that's the only one I really liked. We liked the Puka pick late, but again, yep. you know, late round pick. How we you just you just don't see a ton of guys become like cornerstones of teams from late round picks. So we can't give that too much weight, even if we like him. Um, yeah, Byron Young in the third, Kobe Turner in the third, Stetson Bennett is possibly one of the worst draft picks of the entire draft. In the I, fourth I round. hate it. In I the fourth it. round. It's just like a waste of a, it's just a waste of a pick. I've had people text me and ask me, what what uh what does Bryce Young do that Stetson Bennett can't? And <laughs> I don't even first of all, I don't even want to get into that because it's just ridiculous, but Secondly, the most important trait for your quarterback is like leadership and character. <laughs> Beyond anything else, those are the two things your quarterback has to have to succeed mm-hmm. in the NFL. He has neither. He, so. he's, he's won two championships off of two of the greatest defenses in college football yeah. history. And you might think that he was Tom Brady based off the way he acts sometimes. Yes. So, no, I, I didn't like that pick. I thought the Davis Allen pick was decent. Yeah, the tight end. I, look, we talked about this yesterday. Perfect number two kind of tight end. Now the problem is they kind of have that guy in Higby. He's not really a one, right? It's like a low a low end one. They right. Davis Allen works for a team that has like a what's a good example? A, a Kincaid, a Dalton Kincaid yeah. guy who's like a bona fide one, but not really an inline guy or a, a Sam Laporta even. Like Davis Allen works really, yeah. really well with a team like that. Maybe it feels uh, like a Higby replacement. Yeah, it, yeah it does feel more like a Higby replacement. They've drafted a lot of these guys over the years too. They do. They, they love they the, a lot uh, of He's such a tight Rams tight end. He's yes. he, <laughs> yeah, kind of a combo tight end can do a little bit of everything, but nothing great. And then Puka, we talked about that yesterday too. Robert Woods kind of guy. He was a day two player for me. So obviously we're not gonna boost them artificially too much because of the um 
the steel myth, but and then Travis Hodges Tomlinson, he's a five seven corner, so he's a, he, he's going to play in the slot for them. It reminds me, remember they had Lamarcus Joyner? They drafted him. Yep, he's a very similar player to to Lamarcus Joyner, who was a really good slot corner for them, but he was also like five seven. So if they're yeah. envisioning the same role for him as Joyner, I think that could work. This this draft screams to me a team that we haven't made picks in years and now we're devoid of like young cheap talent on our roster and we're just we're just gonna throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. Yeah. Whereas I would have rather them they traded down a ton in this draft, basically getting more and more of these day late day three picks. Stay yeah. at your current picks and try to get like some actual like good you get I guess I, it just really depends what they view their team at. Are they are they willing to blow it up and go full rebuild, which they probably should? But it seems like they're still mm-hmm. like if we just could hit on twenty five percent of these later round picks, we can we can be back in you know playoff contention. Yeah, and, it is crazy they, how they value certain things over others. Like the Byron Young and Kobe Turner picks, just they were awful picks to me. Sixty second percentile and fifty fifth percentile picks there. Young was like they're both just athletes. They're just betting on traits, hoping like it's like they put on a blindfold and just like, oh god, I hope, I hope this athleticism translates to the football field because they're both really raw players. Like they're not not well developed at mm-hmm. all. I mean, outside of uh, everyone rags on the the Cardinals defense and like you basically can't name anybody other than Buda Baker off of most like the average person's head. Yeah. Can you? How many guys on the Rams defense can you name outside of Aaron Donald? That are you know like starter players. At, well, after losing Ramsey and Wagner, probably not many. Is Greg Gaines still there? Nope. Or did he move on? Nope, he's gone. Uh, Nick Scott. Nope, no, he's been gone. Yeah. Who's the, they have a, another safety from HBCU? There. Jordan Jordan Fuller. Yes, Fuller. Yeah, he's yeah. he's probably the most notable name. See, and and this is our job as a living to know. To, to study football and, yeah. and we can barely think through who the starters are for the well, Rams they, defense. This they year. did lose a lot in the offseason. They lost Ramsey, Gaines, Wagner, um, the other safety, Rap, Taylor Rap. Yep. They've over the years they've also lost corners like well, they lost David Long this year too. Darius Williams left last year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who's even playing corner for them this year. They're we starters are currently listed Robert Rochelle and Kobe Durant. Oh my God! Yeah, they're going. To Darian so Kendrick bad. is still there. He played a good amount of snaps for them. Kendrick is year. awful though. Yeah, he's bad. And their D line, like, do you know their pass rushers? Byron, <laughs> Byron Young's a starter right now. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> this this. I mean, we yeah, people are killing the rant, the Cardinals. I, their division mate in the Rams defense is just as almost just as bad, except they've got the be- one of the best defensive players of all time on it. Wow. Yeah, so I I gave the the Rams a D plus here. So I know they didn't have a first round pick, but they still only brought in the twenty eighth most value per our model. So, and they just they also made egregious picks with premium with premium capital. So, yeah. All right, forty ers We can spend all of five minutes on this one. Yeah, it's a it's a big old F. This was horrible. <laughs> The least amount of value, and they didn't have top picks, but they brought in the least amount of value. I give them a, a solid F. The picks they did make were egregious. Their first three picks were Jair Brown, Jake Moody, and Cam Latu. 
Yeah. I, I don't even know where to start with this. How, how are teams, how are we still doing the drafting kickers thing in anything other than day three? They drafted what? a kicker with a top 100 pick. I know. When are we going to learn? Oh my God. How good does that kicker have to be for him to pay off? Does he have to, how, what does his field goal percentage have to be? Like 95%? Although that, man, if there's a team that likes to kick field goals when they shouldn't be, <laughs> it is the 49ers. Oh my God, that is the best self own ever right there. <laughs> that is so They're just going to validate that pick further and further. Is Robbie Golds playing anywhere this year? Did he sign somewhere? Oh, that's a good question. Did he finally retire? He probably retired. I mean, he's... Ancient? Yeah. Yeah, this is an F. I mean, Jair Brown yeah, he's not anywhere right has now. a chance to be decent, I guess, but he's a safety. He's raw. You know, I his film was not impressive to me. Cam Lay, too. I don't even know what he gives you. Do you have 19 tight ends now? Yeah. I mean, Ross Dwelly played a good amount last year. Yeah. Kittle, obviously. I, like, yeah, what, what is the point? And then the fullback kind of tight end combos, too. Uh, um, yeah. Use check. Use check. But Leitu, I get like I guess he checks the run after catch box that they like for their tight ends. But I don't know what he brings you. He, he's you don't you, space. if you're throwing to Cameron Leitu over Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, McCaffrey, throw use check in there. It's probably not going well for you anyway. Yeah, Jawan Johnson's a beast after the catch too. Jennings, uh, Jawan Jennings. Yeah. yeah, they're basically the same player actually. Yes. <laughs> I seriously, I think Jawan Johnson weighs like 10 pounds more than Jawan Jennings. <laughs> they're identical in what they do, how they're used. So the one thing I will get, how much do you factor in that they're still paying off the Trey Lance and the McCaffrey deals? Not that those yeah. have necessarily been good. Do you factor that into their draft haul at all? No, because the, the McCaffrey deal was bad. We, we both <laughs> okay. hated it. I just wanted you to say it instead of me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's they're the author of their own demise here. I mean, the the Lance deal, like, I can't fault them for taking a shot at a quarterback, but you traded three first round picks for a guy with five less than five hundred career dropbacks in college. Yeah, and he may be good. We just and he may be good. Yeah, and I know I loved Anthony Richardson this year, so it sounds hypocritical, but like, yeah. Lance was very raw. If Lance is, did it in the SEC. Lance was doing it at FCS level. Yeah. <laughs> like, Do you think they know in that building? who they want to be their starter lance or purdy or do you think they're still unsure i think they're unsure man i i think because they they have to try to recoup something from this lance deal if they if they think it's not lance oh you got to make a call at some point i guess yeah i mean there's been rumors that they might try to trade lance so Mm -hmm. maybe that's the route they go he can't go into the season being your QB three. I, I, I don't think that's a good way to run your team. And they brought in Sam Darnold too, right? Exactly. So maybe you roll with <laughs> Purdy. I, I love as a as a guy who wants the Lions to take the next step. The 49ers keeping themselves out of contention is perfectly fine with me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, is there is there a pathway for the for the 49ers next year at all? Uh, I think the Cowboys got better. Again, got better. Yeah. Purdy is actually what people think he might be. I don't know. Yeah, I got. Yeah, if Purdy somehow is, no, it's just not happening. No, (laughs) we've seen this before. It's Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, and they've all looked awesome in this offense at times. Yeah. All right, let's round this out with the Seahawks. 
This was definitely my favorite draft of the of the division. One of my favorite drafts in general. Uh, they made two picks that hurt them in our our model a little bit, but I think we can explain a little bit why I'm okay with them. Um, I gave this grade of uh, this draft an A grade. How did you view it, Chris? I would go. I probably go B plus. B plus. That's fair. But I think if you look at it from the frame of what Pete, how Pete Carroll wants to run his team, I, I can see how you get to an A. I'm just if I'm looking at every team how they should be built and how you what generally wins, I, I think I got to go B plus. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, starting at the top, Witherspoon. Uh, we both agree we love this pick, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that Pete Carroll at, would take a corner this early. I mean, he seems yeah. to pride himself on finding defensive backs late and turning them into awesome players. But I think yeah. it just shows you how special he is. Like, Carroll's a sucker for DBs with ball skills. Right. His ball skills are so flipping good that, you know, Carroll broke, what, a 20-year trend? Base, or not 20 years. What's it been? It's got to be 15 at this point, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think they've done it since, since he's been there, taking yeah. a guy this early. Yeah, so he broke, bucked a 15-year trend or whatever to, to take Witherspoon at fifth overall. I, um, this was a 95th percentile pick for us, though. Um, like the JSN at 20, I'm never going to complain about a team drafting a good receiver in the first round, and JSN yeah. was my top-ranked guy. The problem with it, one thing, is I've seen tons of uh, press conferences from Carroll since the draft about him talking about JSN's going to be a slot guy for us. He'll be our wide. We wanted to upgrade our wide receiver three spot, but they also love their tight ends and want to run a lot of 12 personnel, which they did last year anyway. That's a problem. Well, if, do you, I think they're going to play a lot less 12 personnel now. I hope so. That's just not the way they're talking. You you don't go emphasize wide receiver three with the 20th overall pick to then not play 11 personnel we, more. We've seen Pete Carroll make some questionable choices. We have. We have. It seems like, and I said this on the on the live stream. It seems like he's kind of re. He's like the phoenix. He's rose from the ashes. Yeah. He was buried there. Like everyone oh, thought, yeah. the entire regime was gone, and then all of a sudden they trade Russ. They all got a little pep in their step. They yeah. get the weird guy out of town. Who who knew Russ was sinking the ship over there? We all yeah, thought it was. We need to let Russ cook. Maybe it was. We need to let Pete cook. I know. We you know, did. We thought it was time for back in the lab. So. Uh, Pete, he seems like he's got a little fire under, you know, under him now, and uh, I like it. And I I think he is making some slight philosophical changes. Obviously, the Charbonnet pick suggests he's not fully diverting from the plan, but yeah, I like the pick. I just, I'm just speaking how it could become a disaster. Yeah, they ran the second most 12 personnel last year at 30. percent If that is not, if that's got to (laughs) be what down at least down to 20 percent, somewhere in that range, if not lower. It's tough because I think what teams end up doing a lot of times when they make these personnel decisions, it's not necessarily a philosophical thing. It's like, hey, is our tight end two better than our wide receiver three? Right. Which sure, and, last year you could make that argument. And Yeah, exactly. And so the other thing too is I'm a huge fan of 12 personnel if you've got the, the guys to do it because you can force those matchups. Get an extra linebacker on the field. Yep. And if they don't put an extra linebacker on the field, then what are you doing? You're punching him in the freaking mouth with your which, run, game. which is what Picaro wants which to do what more P. than Carroll anything. Wants to do so, and they finally have a, a quarterback who's probably willing to throw in the middle of the field a little bit more. Um, so Noah Fant, presumably, and Will Disley will presumably you know be more effective over the middle of the field than they have been in the past. So, 
Um, anyways, I, I like the JSN pick. I think they're going to divert a little bit from the 12 personnel, which would be good. Also, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf both kind of get banged up here and there. Metcalf less so in, mm-hmm. in the pros, but um, Lockett's usually always banged up. So having just insurance for him in general is good. So he goes down, you at least have two studs still, and you don't, you don't really miss a beat that way. So um, the first pick we hated was Derek Hall, the Auburn edge. Similar to the B.J. Ojolari discussion, I mean, they picked him at, what, 37? Yeah. All the edges were gone. They, they needed to address pass rush help. I think Derek Hall's a fine player, and he fits what they do really, really well. So I've talked about this before, but if we were to go through and, and restack my board for each team based on you know the scheme they play, the things they value, Hall would be way higher than, what was he, 66th on my board, for this, just for the Seahawks specifically, because he is an athletic freak. He is long and physical, and he has a good uh, speed-to-power rush. That's what Pete Carroll loves in his edge guys. So does that necessarily justify the pick? No, but you, it makes it make sense. You know, um, Zach Charbonnet was the next one that had everyone scratching their head. Like what? We just drafted Kenneth Walker in the same spot last year. Roughly. I think they drafted Walker. What? 48th. Yeah. They were close though. Yeah. Charbonnet at 52. And so, but it's, it's again, this speaks to their identity as a team. Yeah. And I think, I think Charbonnet may be, their preferred long-term starter. I think Charbonnet is a better pass catcher than Walker. Walker is a very much a home run hitter running back. And I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if Walker, they got a little frustrated with Walker at times with him, you know, cause a lot of times he would basically get lose yardage or, or get very little to nothing. Like Marshawn Lynch was not like that. Marshawn's getting yardage every single run. Chris Carson was really good at that when he was healthy in there. I wouldn't be surprised if Charbonnet, you know, is the one a at some point in their careers with Walker there and Walker is kind of the home run. You know, he can give you that little juice when you need it sometimes. Kind yeah. of guy. I wonder how much of an anomaly though. Walker's rookie season was because he was more of a grinder at Michigan state. True. That's definitely I mean, true. He definitely hit home runs, but there were games he would have 35 carries like, and he was just five, six yards at a time. Boom, boom, yeah. over and over and over. So, um, it does make me wonder if maybe that was like, I do think he's a home run hitter, but maybe that bounces back a little bit. The, the down for down efficiency you look for Charbonnet though, is a moderately better pass catcher. He still doesn't profile as a guy that you want catching the ball a ton. Like I think he'd be functional in the screen game. He's functional as a check down guy. Good. They, pass don't, catcher. they don't throw a ton to their running backs though. Yeah. So like, I think he probably does enough to, for what they, for what they do. Did you see Scott and JJ going back and forth for like 17 hours about this? Yes. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, an interesting discussion. A couple times reading the the thread, I kind of lost track of what we were talking about. I think they did too, to be fair. (laughs) They're arguing different things at certain times. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, fascinating thread though. If you guys want to go on Twitter, uh, was it Scott Barrett's initial tweet? And then somebody tagged JJ? Yeah. 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 So it's about Charbonnet. It's, it's definitely worth reading through. You'll learn a lot of interesting things. But um, And then the two picks that I really, really liked that round, really rounded this draft class out for me. So anytime you can find starters, caliber players on day three, I don't care what position they play. Positional value doesn't mean anything to me on day three. But Anthony Bradford, guard from LSU, and Olu Oluwatami from Michigan, both interior offensive linemen, 
this was the weak spot of Seattle's offensive line. They found tackles last year. They needed to upgrade the interior. They need a center and they need a guard. They got both. And I'm not saying both these guys are going to be a starter from day one, but they potentially found two starters on the offensive line on day three. I love both these both scored as 100th percentile picks for us. Uh, absolutely love both these picks. So Bradford especially. like I think he really is going to help that offensive line. Ta- talking about getting Kenneth Walker a little more consistent, building up that interior offensive line will help with that by a lot. So, And it, it, again, it speaks to the Seahawks' identity and what they want to do on offense. Yeah. Yeah, their offensive line was not great last year. Continuing to build out their depth there, smart, just smart way to build your team. Yeah, and just about every evaluator I know had Bradford as a starting level player in the NFL as a prospect. He scored that way for just about everybody. There's actually no other position in the NFL that has more day three starters than interior offensive line as well. That is the that is the sweet spot to draft guards. Um there's a there's a million, you know, round three, round four, round five guards starting in the NFL. So I think this is a really good, really good pick. But yeah. So they get an A for me. So again, that's Cardinals got a B plus. Rams got a D plus. 49ers got an F. Seahawks with an A. I feel good about it. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Seahawks are definitely going to push the Niners next year for this division just because of seemingly being a smarter team a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah, coming off their priors a little bit. It's I think obviously what they've done has worked over the years. And it stopped working as effectively as they lost some superstar talent. So you either need to refine those superstars or you got to change what you do a little bit. And I think you're seeing a little bit of both. I think they've nailed some picks, which have really helped. But they're also tweaking their philosophy just a little bit, just a smidge. And I think that's going to go a really long way in making that team competitive. Um, if you were to just on paper right now, Chris, where would you put the Seahawks in the NFC? Are they a top five team in the NFC? I think they probably are. Yeah, the NFC is bad. Uh, Eagles. Eagles, Cowboys, Lions. Eagles, Cowboys, Niners. Niners, Seahawks. Probably my top five. Yeah, and I'd probably put them above Dallas. Really? Yeah. Is that that your bias coming out or no? Maybe a little, but... I don't know. Maybe I, I would at least get a lot up. better. Adding Brandon yeah. Cooks and Stefan Gilmore is. Stefan Gilmore is not what he used to be. No, but he's still better than their number two corner from last year. No, I think Anthony Brown's a very solid corner. Solid. I think Gilmore's better than solid. No, I think they're, they're probably about the same now at this point in their careers. Oh, no. <laughs> Anthony Brown was better than Trayvon Diggs last year. Okay. That doesn't mean much to me because I'm not a big Trayvon Diggs guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then you're saying Gilmore is better than Diggs. Uh, Potentially, yes. Definitely more consistent. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Yeah, all right. We'll we'll put Dallas above Seattle still. Uh, I'd probably put the Niners. Ahead of Detroit. Yeah. The, the QB situation for the Niners just like is so annoying. It it really is. Yeah, it is annoying that they continue to be good every year despite just ignoring the most important position. Yeah, yes, they just they just it's so annoying. 
and then they trade for a running back because they're like this this is what'll make the difference yeah <laughs> yes uh what if they signed teddy bridgewater would that be funny and it, and it's also worse that they lost in the playoffs because of basically having no quarterbacks left on their roster because then they get to say oh yeah. it's because our quarterback got her we you know yeah. we would have they only just got obliterated by 34 to like three on defense but yeah, no. they, they literally couldn't stop the run <laughs> and yeah it was the quarterback's fault they were yeah. getting pulled out of the water regardless and then they go send javon hargrave which player i like doesn't help you against these nfc teams at no, all no no the lions are still going to run it down your throat the eagles are still going to run it down your throat the cowboys are probably still going to run it down your throat so yeah good luck guys good process over there yeah i continue to say every year i tweet when the season starts where will kyle shanahan be calling plays next year and, and then do, somehow he pulls just the out of his hat yeah. and he bounces <laughs> back and i'm like for god's sakes last year when they were three and four i tweeted that yeah uh, this is finally the year i got him i freaking <laughs> got him then they went out or whatever and i'm just like god dang it man yeah. this is ridiculous so moral of the story is the nfc is bad and yes Aaron Rodgers choosing to leave this conference will never make any sense whatsoever. Yep. All right, let's get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with another division. Have not decided what yet. Maybe we'll do two. We won't We won't start with the running back combo. Yeah. Got that off my chest. So we'll just quickly spend like 20 minutes on each and get through two divisions tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.